This is A Wild Conversation. Hi, my name is Callum Hughes. I'm a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. I'm Ashley Weiswick, also a keeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And today we're going to be talking about animals that have evolved to lose certain features. Which sounds very confusing at first. Right? Why give up something that you spent so long evolving in the first place? Yeah, like why don't we have tails? Come on, I want a tail. You know, we still have actually got tail bones. We do, I know. It does grow at a certain point in our embryo development, but then the genes responsible for allowing it to continue to grow with the rest of our body, just, they're off. So so disappointing. We've got to talk about tails in another podcast. (laughs) Okay. Because there there is a certain animal's tail that I wish I had, and that will be shared in that podcast. That's all I'm going to be able to think about for my weekend now. Thanks. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> but to start off with, definitely something to bring up is flightless birds. Yes. Why evolve so long to fly just to give it up, right? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, flight is very expensive. Yeah. Which is yeah. a weird thing to think about, but like your bones have to be a certain way. Uh, your whole body structure has to be this certain way. And like you can't gain too much weight because if you're too heavy you still can't fly even you have wings Mm. right so even like birds of prey sometimes if they've eaten too big of a meal it actually hampers them really yeah it's one of the things with uh like falconry and stuff like that you don't want to overfeed your birds because then they're not going to be able to do stuff as well you know totally get that um most most of the time this is a case for island species Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, New Zealand had uh, has a bunch of flightless birds, kiwis, Kiwi. the kakapo, which the, is like... Those guys are hilarious. I oh, love kakapos. So cute looking too. Yes. Um, and they, they've basically given up flight, just as you say, because it's expensive. They can get better bone density mm-hmm. um, that allows them to get larger, um, better, stronger legs. They can get chunky. In fact, did you know that there was a bird that didn't even have wings anymore. It that ev- sounds familiar. Is that the elephant bird? No. Close. No. Moa. Yes! Yeah, look at me. <laughs> I know stuff. So they found a bunch of remains of moas, and it's funny because there's various different species of moas that lived on New Zealand. There okay. were some that grew to the size of turkey and some that grew massive. I've heard of those ones specifically. <laughs> they're, they're definitely the more famous. Yeah. But uh, they didn't have wings at all. Huh. They evolved to completely lose the bones altogether. They're like, we, we're we not getting these back. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Take them off. And usually this is a response to a environment that doesn't have predators. So mm-hmm. they're able to become major players on the ground. They effectively start to become dinosaurs all over again. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. But there are exceptions to the rule. There are several big birds that I think you work with. Yeah. That have evolved around predators. Mm-hmm. Um, ostrich. Yep. <laughs> What's that like? Working with ostriches? Yeah. It depends on the season. Because <laughs> in breeding season, it is an entirely different ball game. You don't go anywhere near them. Reggie gets like super defensive and aggressive. And so what we've done is we have him station trained to come mm. into his barn for food. Like he, he knows he calls, comes by his name and that way you can close the doors and then you can go out into their yard and clean. If it's not breeding season, generally, if he's far enough in the yard, you can just go out there, clean nice and quick and come back in. 
breeding season, you don't even risk it. Even if he's on the whole other side of the field, you're like, no, these guys can run at like 70 kilometers an hour. They're incredibly aggressive. And the way you can tell if he's entering yeah. aggresso mode is his legs will turn pink. You're giving me a lot of Jurassic Park, that uh, <laughs> that park warden vibes right now. Right. They should all okay. be destroyed. But like, it's funny because he he's like, I don't know, when he's not in breeding season, he's just like, hello, doing my thing. And then it gets to breeding season, he's like, <laughs> and you can't trust him. The funny thing, though, is that every morning when I do call him, before he comes into the barn, he sits down in front of the door and does his like seduction dance to me. Like, yes. Sweetheart. No, I don't reciprocate. He's like, no, but look at how sexy I am. You can't resist. Yes, I can, actually, sir. Yeah, it's, uh, I love him. It's funny because their wings are residual. They don't mm-hmm. serve the purpose of flight, but they can be repurposed for something else, like mate displays. Like mate displays. <laughs> they also, so our ostriches live with our elands, and one of the things that they do is they use their wings for intimidation, which is really funny to see. Because sometimes when the eland get too close, Reggie will stick his wings straight up in the air and fluff them out as much as he can and then just come at them hissing, make himself look like this giant... Oh, the eland don't like it. Oh, man, I wouldn't like like it. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) And, yeah, it's uh, interesting because apparently they're the exception because they evolved after the dinosaurs died out when Mm. mammals were tiny. And they got to that place and they've been able to hold that place without being attacked by larger predators because they were big. One of the other really cool things actually about ostrich wings is they help them with uh, running. Mm. Like they've adapted to basically use them almost like rudders because they run at such high speeds and then they can make really quick, tight turns. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So they actually like, you'll see them when they're running, they look like they're flailing their wings around because they like to run quite sporadically. That's Mm. another way to avoid predators actually. And yeah, they use their wings to help them, like, run. Come on, nice. <laughs> the other thing they do is if you ever see our ostriches with their wings forward, it almost looks like their wings are just, like falling right off and they'll be fluttering them, is they actually, um, they let out heat in their armpit and they're oh. overheated because they don't sweat. That's pretty good. Their wings are cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, other features as well is there are some animals that actually lose their legs. Which is pretty crazy to think like about, right? Like the legless lizard. Legless lizards. I have never held one, but I hear it's freaky. Back in the UK, there's uh, slow worms. And ah. uh, I used to catch them all the time as a kid. Um, and yeah, they're like uh, silky smooth kind of scales. They've got eyelids like a lizard. And if you just looked at the head, you could tell you would be looking at a lizard, mm-hmm. but no legs. That's so interesting. Right? Yeah, because I've heard that one of the weird things about it is that people will almost think it's a snake but like snakes have a very long body and a short tail whereas lizards have a short body with a long tail and Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know my one coworker was describing it to me because she said she's held one before and it just sounded freaky (laughs) (laughs) for sure um and we know that snakes lost their legs at some point some point weird to think we've got fossils of them with residual hind legs that's so weird um and even today boas have those spurs and I think pythons mm-hmm. have like a residual like structure for their pelvis huh. showing us that they had those before. That's so cool. Um, even whales, whales, oh, they lost their back legs. Oh my gosh. And they have, they have, some of them have um, uh, rem- remnants of a pelvis. Can I 
can I admit something to you? Go for it. In university, I took a conservation biology class, and on the midterm, one of the things was to create a fake animal and then tell, describe it completely. It was really cool. It was a fun midterm. All right. And I made a land whale. A, a land whale. It was a whale with elephant legs, and I just was like went off. I was like, this is how they survive. I don't know. I can hear Darwin rocking in his grave right now. <laughs> it was awesome. He's busting out of his you coffin, and he's on his way to... Canada. You, you've basically just confirmed that that's a real thing to me in my brain. So, <laughs> um, and it makes sense because why have hind limbs that would just cause drag when you're out in the open ocean? Makes sense. Or if you're an animal that burrows underground or lives in uh, slivers through the leaf litter, for example, mm-hmm. legs would just get in the way. You want to be as streamlined as possible. No, that makes sense. Um, That's fair. Another thing is uh, cave species. Ooh, yes. Um, often when animals live in caves... They, like, lose their ability to see. Exactly. Dun, dun, dun. Bats. Bats, potentially, they still have their they eyes, They have a though. little bit, yeah. So whenever someone says as blind as a bat, you know, people are like, oi. That's me. <laughs> you said that? No, that is me. I have oh. a really high prescription on my glasses. I am blind like a bat. I can see, just not well. That's why I scream so much. (laughs) So you're seeing the world for your screaming. I do echolocation. (laughs) Now now you have an excuse for it. (laughs) Um, There is some blind species that actually even have skin that grows over their residual eyes. So interesting. Um, They even lose their pigmentation because they don't need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, species that live like really deep in the deep sea. Yeah. I've heard about stuff like that, like the blobfish. Yeah, the blobfish. Oh my gosh. Um, there's thing, a salamander called the ulm okay. um, in Europe. Um, when there was like heavy rainwater and they would get washed out of caves, people would think that they were uh, the like very, very young babies of dragons that have been washed out from the caves. Oh, really? Yeah, because they've got this <sighs> long body. They're white um, with the red gills, kind of like a axolotl. Um, oh. And... Uh, they've got very, very small residual eyes. Interesting. Um, and what's also cool is cave species kind of learn to save as much energy as possible because they're reliant on things falling into the cave and flowing towards them. Okay, yeah. Um, they're like, I'm basically a plant. Yeah. <laughs> they can go 10 years without a meal. That is insane. I can barely go 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours? Cool. That's I, a record for me. Right? I just, the food is so good. Um, even people, if you think about it, why do we not have fur? Yeah. Why did we lose true. our fur? And then we just like make these fake furs. Do you have any ideas of why humans would lose fur? Oh gosh. Putting uh, you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, just tell me, just tell me. Okay. I don't even want to guess. <laughs> so there's been a bunch of theories that have been put out there. Um, everything from people were very, were apes that were very aquatic, which has been ruled out. Um, to um, avoiding getting lice or parasites by not having fur. Interesting. But the one that's most widely accepted is that human beings have 10 times more sweat glands than chimpanzees, for example, our closest living relatives. And we adapted to walk out in the savannah, and we eventually developed a hunting style of chasing our prey into the ground. So we need to be able to cool ourselves off. Exactly. Our endurance, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never never thought about it like that. We've got a residual response, right? A vestigial, residual, vestigial response, right? 
Goosebumps. Ooh, yes, I know about Goosebumps. Yeah. Like, so have you ever watched like an epic movie trailer or something really cool and it actually gave you goosebumps? Yes. <laughs> what, what movie? Oh, I can't remember. But it has happened to me many times. I think it was Probably true. one of the Marvel movies. I was really into that. <laughs> it was great. Good, good. That's the way it should be. Right? Apparently in our relatives, it's a way to puff up our bodies. And look scary. And look a bit bigger and scarier towards rivals. Huh. And... Also for um, uh, storing heat when we're cold, because you get goosebumps when you're cold. See, we also can make fire. True. (laughs) True. We make fire, we wear clothing, we Mm -hmm. have ways to overcome the fact that we lost fur. Um, Because many animals, it's kind of a trade-off when you give up a feature. Yeah. Like... um, You gotta have something to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's actually kind of crazy when you think about it, because... Giving up a feature, it can be really difficult to get it back. Oh, yeah. So there has been no fossil evidence of a bird that has evolved from a, from a flightful uh, relative who... Flightful? Uh, and a bird that flies that became flightless okay. and then evolved to become able to fly again. We have no evidence of you, it you in the commit. fossil record. You gotta commit. Exactly. Could you imagine flying ostriches, though? That's terrifying. These guys are already terrifying. I love them, but my gosh. Yeah, completely. And um, there's, uh, what was it? The dodo. Yes. Now, often like the dodo is seen as stupid or a bad evolutionary choices. Um, He was a sweetheart. (laughs) But they were smart. Imagine you're going through your finances, right? And you live here in BC. Okay. And you find out that you've been spending 150 bucks every month paying for lava insurance. For what? Lava insurance. Your house gets burned by lava and they'll cover the costs. But you're spending 150 bucks for it each month. Interesting. So that's what I think of when I think of a dodo that gave up flight, right? Yeah. They didn't have any natural predators on the island. Yep. Uh, they would have hollow, weaker bones um, that wouldn't allow them to support weight. So it would be a cost and no uh, reason to want to fly. Their resources are there and there are no predators. So they just decide to cancel their subscription to that insurance. It takes a while to, you know, discontinue it. And, you know, the, the, there's always a representative on the insurance company. Well, you know, something could happen. You know, a predator could float in on a log somewhere and, uh, you know. <gasps> Skip a few thousand years and Dodo's doing pretty good, you know? It's got big, strong legs, denser bones, and it's well on its way to becoming the dominant herbivore or maybe even carnivore of the island one day. And then a bunch of omnivorous apes show up on the horizon on a makeshift uh, ship, and then they release the pigs. I hate it when omnivorous apes ruin the best movies. God. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, like, it, it does kind of make sense why animals would give them up. It's... It's saving energy and it's investing in things that might even help you become bigger or more powerful, even the dominant species on an island or even a land. Yeah, it's really interesting. There are even species that have given up their size. Give me an example. I'm just like, what? So there's like a bunch of things in the fossil record of pygmy elephants on certain islands. Yeah. To like the size. I mean, I've heard of pygmy hippos, yep. but hi- pygmy elephants. Yep. I love this. Pygmy hippos. Where were the, uh, where were uh, pygmy hippos? No, those are real. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But, but, um, they live in the Congo, right? Yeah. Sorry. I was like those are those are like currently a species, man. See, I should have gone with that example. <laughs> you you picked a living species, I and I picked something that's gone extinct. Yeah. Well, you're the dinosaur fan, so. Sorry, I'm I'm living in the past. I'm sorry. <laughs> Constantly. But it, it um, they give up their size because resources might be limited. Uh, for example, larger bodies require more food. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that the bigger you are the longer your gestation period is generally. So it's harder to actually evolve when you get big because you can't reproduce as often as frequently. Yeah. Um, You get rid of that flexibility. It's very true. Apparently herbivores evolved to get bigger mainly because of competition with other herbivores. Whereas- I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. It's also why they've gotten all weird (laughs) giraffes and elephants with their trunks. And it's just fantastic. Honestly, Africa is a very fascinating continent to me. Oh, yeah. There's there's so many examples of cool adaptations that species have evolved to survive. Right. Um, and when they're given the opportunity, when they are taken away, certain pressures are taken away or they're put in certain circumstances where features are no longer needed, they can lose them. Like mm. uh, cheetahs, right? Okay. Uh, retractable claws. Yeah. It's true. You work with uh, Tika, right? I do. She's such a sweetheart. And yeah, exactly. They use their claws like cleats to mm. help them with running. So they always have grip. So they don't retract. They're actually in a different uh, group than most other cats. Really? Yeah. So the panthera, like panthera means large cat with retractable claws. So panthera leo is uh, lion and, you know, all of those big guys. But then... The cheetah is part of the group, I'm going to butcher this, a synonyx, a it it starts with an A. Okay. And Uh. it's got like an onyx, I don't know, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're in a completely separate group. They're actually really different from almost every other type of cat. They're built differently. You know, they don't have that same strength and power. Mm. They've got like um, much larger lungs. You know, their lung capacity is different. They've got... um, a different shape to them. I don't know. Sometimes when she's stalking like ducks in her enclosure, like her shoulders just look different than the other cats we have, you know? Yeah. They're fascinating animals. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's been really cool talking about how certain animals give up features from tails to fur um, to even just their eyes. Yeah, um, that's weird. And explaining it. But uh, it's definitely a commitment. Yeah. Um, Not that we explain it in any kind of scientific sense. We're just like, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, uh, on a side note, we actually got a letter from (gasps) a fan. I like letters. That's exciting. So uh, I'm going to read that out and uh, see what we have written here. Ooh. Hi, I'm a regular listener to your podcast, plus a regular visitor to the zoo. And I have some questions. So okay. the ostriches' eggs. On Tuesday, I see five, and I'm assuming that they are fake, because who leaves their eggs spread out all over the lawn to get caught? But then Thursday, it looks like there are at least seven. So that's what ostriches do. No nest. And do they sit down to lay or just drop them down or... question mark? Also, I was hoping you would mention about the gift wrapping remnants that are in the enclosures. I'm assuming the Easter Bunny brought goodies for the animals. I'd be interested in hearing more about that. 
and really enjoy it when you talk about the individual animals. You said Boomer's history was a full podcast. I'd love to hear about it. Plus the other animals' histories. Also, I always wonder exactly what's going on in those black tanks. Cheers, Georgina. P.S. Hannah huffs at me now, but when she sees that guy in green, she's like a puppy. She really does like men more. (laughs) She does. (laughs) She does. She's always been a man's tiger. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of questions. You would be the person to ask about the ostrich eggs, definitely. Yes, yes. So they are real. And yes, okay, I don't know if ostriches in general are awful parents, but our ostriches are awful parents. Although our male has never actually fertilized any of the eggs, so that may be why our females really don't seem to care. This year, I literally made them a nest. I made them a nice little nest. (laughs) I moved all their... Because they were everywhere. They were all over the yard. One of them was in the Eland bed. I was like, you can't. (laughs) This is not your bed. One of them was in the ostrich barn, but not on the bed, on the concrete. I was like, who lays their egg? Just like... Well, this seems like a good spot. So I moved them all into the nest and they rolled them all out of the nest into just like the dirt. And they're like, no, we like this better. But uh, that seems to actually be what ostriches do. They build themselves just like a little um, dirt like recess in the ground. And that's Mm -hmm. where they hide their eggs. Uh, I've had to move them a few times because for some reason, Oat is determined to roll all her eggs into the pond. Like the, the the little group of eggs has slowly been like shifting. And then one of them was actually had fallen down into the reeds. And I was like, guys, so I actually moved them all. But yeah, no, our ostriches are just not very good. Why do we uh, leave the eggs with them? Uh, it's better for them. It, it's a brooding behavior. They're going to try and nest anyways. And what we do is we basically, we actually write down every single time one of them is laid and it reaches a certain point where we know they're not fertilized. Like at the end of breeding season, we'll remove them all Ah. once we know that they're all duds which so far every year they always have been but they're gonna lay eggs anyways it's part of their natural biology they usually lay like a female will lay 10 to 12 eggs every year Hmm. yeah that's good it kind of keeps down the stress for the animals right? yeah it just causes them to like claim areas which is why as soon as i saw one in the eland bed i was like you are not claiming the eland bed you have your own barn (laughs) this is not how this is going down that was the first one they laid to nice like in the middle of the eland bed i was like no i'm moving this And we next question, we have the gift wrapping remnants. Yes. So we made all the animals uh, Easter bags. And so it was just like animal safe paper bags with uh, like paper's quite safe for them to rip apart. They actually love it. Mm-hmm. So most almost all the carnivores got that with like meat or other snacks, like probably chicken and red meat and stuff like that inside them. Uh, I also gave... Easter bags to all of the African animals. They just didn't destroy them because they're a little less destructive. Yeah. But I filled all of mine with alfalfa and like carrots and apples and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So everyone got visited by the Easter bunny this year. I know that Kayla put in a lot of work for the, she, the carnivore Easter bags as she well. She did. And it was really funny because Rocket got so excited. He stuck his head into the bag and he did that like cat thing where he had something stuck on his head for a second. He was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that, like he backed up. Oh. Like the, you know, era, era. Yeah, does it not came compute. off right away, but it was very cute to watch. And uh, we would love to talk about Boomer's history one day on the podcast. Yes. Um, and we'll be sure to uh, um, do so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love talk. I love talking about the animal stories. We should 100% do that. We just got to commit to it one of these days. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Georgina, for uh, messaging us on this uh, or emailing us on this. Um, these were some good questions. Even I kind of wanted to know oh, about the ostrich. Oh, we almost missed the black tanks. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where she's talking. I'm pretty sure it's up in the corner by conservation. So if you're up, okay, I'm going to assume that this is what it is. It's over by like the cougar area up by the elk. I know she can't like confirm for me because we're talking on a podcast. Yep. But those big black tanks are part of our conservation effort for the Oregon spotted frog and the western painted turtles. So we actually raise up tadpoles into mature frogs on site. And then those guys at the end, uh, like at the end of the season, the growing season get released back into the wild so it's actually a very cool area of the zoo that everyone walks past without asking about it so <laughs> i'm excited that she said that definitely because it's it's really important that we contribute to active conservation methods for mm -hmm. wild species in the local area yes. as well we also help with the taylor checker spotted butterfly but they don't grow up in tanks yeah. they're like those they don't in the same type of tanks and the zoo recently um, has released a beer, believe it or not, or a drink. Um, it's called Social Butterfly. It's so good. It's made by Ravens well, Co. Brewing. I don't know how it tastes because I don't drink, but it looks good. I'm definitely going to grab some. Oh. Drinking for conservation sounds like a good thing to drink for. The next time I get invited to a family function, I'm just going to grab that and be like, hey guys, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm a social drinker too. I like to drink with friends. So yeah. social butterfly. There you go. I am a Perfect. social butterfly, just like period. Every time you purchase this beer, it, uh, the money contributes towards the conservation, um, whether that's captive breeding, um, volunteers who are working towards uh, release sites for the butterflies mm -hmm. or their caterpillars, for example, Yes. which is awesome. It's amazing. Because they're pollinators too. So It's another way to help the ecosystem. And provide us with e ecological services, mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. It is. That's pretty great. Thank you very much for contacting us, uh, Georgina. These were really great questions, and I'm glad we got time to talk about them. Yeah, it was awesome. I enjoyed it. And I hope uh, Hannah warms up to you even more than she already has. I'm glad she's making the tiger chuffs at you. Yeah. Once she gets to know you, yeah, she, she warms up pretty quick. Nice. Well, this has been a uh, uh, great conversation. I'm yeah. Callum Hughes. And I'm Ashley Weizek. And this has been... A wild, wild conversation. conversation. You forgot the DM. And if you'd like to contact us, uh, please do not hesitate to email us at podcast at gvzoo.com or DM us on uh, our social media.